clip. That's what. What's the idea? Well, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? What's the big idea, Egghead? What's the big idea? So, ladies and gentlemen, today on the show, we have a very special guest. And it was very, very challenging to track her down. I had to look all over the house. Uh, she wasn't in our bedroom when I woke up this morning. When I came down for my morning coffee, she had already taken off for a meeting. And so it's really quite a treat that we were able to track down my wife, Mickey Agarwal, and get her into the office for this episode. But in all seriousness, she is quite the badass. She is the recent author of an incredible book called Disrupt Her, a manifesto for the modern woman. She is the founder of period underwear startup Thinks, now valued at over $200 million. Tushy, the modern bidet attachment. Wild, the best gluten-free pizzeria in the world. And also the author of Do Cool Shit. So today, Mickey and I focus on the importance and process of disrupting the status quo. And she tells us a little bit about why that is so important for the world and also for our own lives. And she is not someone who just talks about it. She is someone who lives it every single day. So without further ado, here is Mickey Agarwal. Hello. Hi, Hi Mickey. Hi, husband. <laughs> We just got married too. We did. Out. We were officially married now. How does it feel? As of oh, as of less than a week, as of Friday, which is like less than a week ago. Does anything feel different to you? I mean, the taxes will be interesting. I know. We shouldn't have waited for that, huh? I know. We it's, really, we really messed that one up. We sure did. We got married officially. We got married like in front of our families and all of our friends last September, and we didn't file the paperwork until Friday. We were decided to make another ceremony out of it. Um, and went to City Hall with a bunch of our friends, and it was such a wonderful place. I feel like it's the only place in New York where everyone is happy. Well, there was one guy behind us who was picking up his third marriage certificate, so he was kind of over it. <laughs> but most people, most people were pretty happy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the DMV, but there's like really happy yeah, we, people. We, we had to get our ticket to go and get married. Like we needed a ticket. It's like your your, your name and number is called. We were C ninety three. I remember it. We were C ninety three. C ninety three forever. So Mickey, uh, you are here today uh, to drop some knowledge on us from your. How long have you been an entrepreneur now? I've been an entrepreneur since 25 years old, so I'm 40 now. She doesn't look a day over 30. <laughs> and so 15 years. Pretty crazy. And so as you know, on what's the big idea? We like to set the stage for entrepreneurs to distill one idea, one singular piece of knowledge that they wish, they wish more people could integrate into their lives. And so across this massive body of work, both writing, creating businesses, if you were to focus on one thing that you wish all people could embrace and make a part of their lives, what would it be? That everyone has true agency over their own lives and that we can disrupt every status quo thinking and sort of things that happen to be set, seem to be set in stone, we can disrupt all of it. So what do you mean by the status quo? The status quo is just, you know, the, you know, people who decided that 
this is allowed. This isn't allowed. This is this can be talked about. This can't be talked about. You know, where you feel like a line in the sand has been drawn and where we have to abide by these sort of societal conditioning, like using dry toilet paper to wipe your butt. We'll say more about that for people who don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, so one of my businesses, my most recent company that I'm really excited about is called Tushy. And it's looking at disrupting the toilet paper category, the bathroom category. Um, you know, the way we wipe ourselves has not changed since the late 1800s. And if you think about, you know, what's been acceptable in society, what's been accepted in society is that you use toilet paper to wipe your butt. Every bathroom has toilet paper rolls in it. And nobody questions it and nobody challenges it. And that's just the way it is. And it's been like that since the late 1800s. And so it's just like, okay, this is this is what we do. When we go into the bathroom, we drop a number two, and then we take this piece of dry paper, and we smear the poop up our butt, and we flush the toilet, and we off we go. And it's like, that just doesn't feel right. <laughs> and you think about the rest of the world, and the rest of the world uses water. So many parts of the world use water um, instead of paper. And... Um, it, it just never, it never made sense to me why we use dry paper. And so I, um, you, when I would, I've been obsessed with bidets for a really long time, as you know, husband and well, then boyfriend. And, um, for my, for our first Valentine's day, you got me a bidet attachment, this Chinese kind of ugly, crappy thing that you can, that you found on the internet. And when I received it, I was like, holy camoly, what on earth is this? And I, it, it blew my mind. It was it just attached your existing toilet and turned any toilet into a bidet. And it was a Chinese product. And there was a real opportunity to take this ugly Chinese product and really make it beautiful and make it a brand and make it accessible to the American market. And, um, and so that's where the idea for Tushy was born. And... Um, and so Tushy, Tushy, what I'm working on right now is really shifting the status quo thinking around wiping your butt with dry paper into using fresh water. And when you actually think about it, you know, using dry paper, you know, the average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. You know, right now, 100 million trees are being killed just for paper products, 15 million plus just on for toilet paper consumption alone. And this is just not it's not realistic for us to continue down this path. We, we have a child now who's a year and a half. And um, for the next generation, the fact that 46% of all trees on earth have been decimated. And these trees are literally the reason why we're here on earth because they, they suck in carbon dioxide. They suck in carbon monoxide. They suck in, the, you know, all nitrogen dioxide, all those sort of the, the toxins in the air that we can't, humans and life forms can't exist unless trees suck that in and turn that into oxygen and we're just cutting them down to wipe our butts with them. It just doesn't make any sense. And so for me, it's been really exciting to look at these types of categories where it feels like, oh, this is just the way it is and, and really question that and say, why is that? And so you think about my previous company, Thinks, which is also born out of you know confusion as to why has there only been sort of three major innovations in the entire 20th century in the period space, um, you know, there was a real other opportunity. There's an opportunity to disrupt and to shift that. And that's why that's also why I wrote my book, you know, Disrupt Her. It's really looking at 13 
categories in our life where we are told this is just the way it is. And, and the answer is no, this isn't the way it is. It's just what we've decided is the way it is. And we can absolutely shift that for ourselves and decide that and, and, and choose exactly the path we want for ourselves. Like we have that agency to do that in any and every part of our lives. So we just don't know we, we have that. And so, so tell me why you think it's important that more people embrace this idea that we can disrupt the status quo, that the status quo is something that's just made up. Why is that an important idea for people to grasp? I just think that, you know, there's just this sort of like low level humdrum of, you know, sort of dissatisfaction that people live in. It's just like, well, acceptance, you kind of walking a little bit of defeated attitude. I think a lot of people are just bored in today's world, you know, the amount of depression and, and, you know, social anxiety and, you know, um, like even even you know suicides and hate and like just online hate and trolling there's just there's a lot of of anger and sadness in the world and i think it's because people have been told how to be how to think how to act and it just feels so inauthentic to so many of us and it's just like this isn't who we are this isn't how we want to be this is how this is not what we want to do with our lives and yet we feel like we have kind of a chosen path for ourselves. We can't, otherwise we'll get laughed at. Otherwise people will talk shit about us. Otherwise our parents will disapprove of us. Otherwise our family friends will say mean things. It just like, and, and so we, we just kind of follow these paths for ourselves that aren't authentic. And then people are just unhappy. And so I think it, it comes down at the end of the day, you know, from the point you graduate college to the point you die, you only have 21,000 days to live. And that's it. So like the question is, what are we going to do at that time? Are we going to just live it in a safe way that's acceptable to the status quo and to people in society? Or are we going to live it in a way that, um, that, that is really alive, lit up, authentic, powerful, ourselves, fully expressed? Of course we want it the latter. I, I'd hope so. I think it's, it's fascinating as you break it down that way because then I started to think about it as disruptive innovation really happens on two tracks. There's like the business track and then there's our personal lives. Mm -hmm. So could you speak to how those two things kind of serve each other? Like does that mindset of disrupting business that way then kind of have a transitory profit like property of then helping how we think about living our lives? Yeah, it's totally, it's just, it's all about permission. It's a word that's being used a lot these days, but it really is about permission. It's about, you know, if you're all of a sudden given permission to talk about periods and poop, where, where, where you are told you can't talk about this stuff for your whole life, and all of a sudden there's a brand and a company who's using innovation to talk about these things in a new way that, that gives us permission to talk about it, it all of a sudden unlocks so much in people and they say, wow, wait, I've, I've been hold, suppressing myself from talking about this thing that every human being does. Where else in my life am I suppressing? Where else in my life am I not you know, sharing my truth? And it actually unlocks so much in everyone in every other part of their lives. They start to reexamine why they're doing certain things, why they're talking about things a certain way, why they're thinking about things a certain way. And it's just like a little bit of a crack in the in the sort of status quo chink in the armor. And all of a sudden it can just like split wide open and people are just questioning everything, which then turns into authentically living exactly how they want to live, fully, powerfully self-expressed. 
which is what it's all about. So then what do you say to the person who is in a routine, who is accepting the hand that they've been given, who is living life the same way that they did yesterday, but wants to start to challenge these types of norms that they might have accepted for their lives? What would be the first couple of things that you would do for that person to just put a new lens on how they're thinking about their life and how they can live it on their own terms? What advice would you give to that person? Where do they start? Yeah, I would just start by waking up and just, you know, from the moment you wake up and and you take your first step and you think your first thought and you write your first email and you, you know, walk out the door and look at everything around you as you head to the subway or wherever, into your car to go to work, um, just to question everything, to just to be aware of everything that you do and question it all and and say, wait, am I doing this because I'm supposed to be or am I doing this because I want to? And it's just sort of, I think it's, you know, oftentimes the former, I'm just supposed to be doing this. And when you, when you're acting from that place, it's, it's, it's a low level of dissatisfaction and who wants to live like that versus being like, whoa, I really wanted to do that. Whoa. I really wanted to, um, to think about that. I really wanted to take that action today. I really wanted to talk to this person today. And, and I know oftentimes in business, when you're working, you, know, you have to get a paycheck and you have to you know, think about your basic needs, having your basic human needs met. And if you're only doing the things that you want to be doing, then that might not be realistic. But I think if you're doing things and thinking about things and are aware of what you're thinking about, it will then lead you into the right direction of where you actually want to be. And then in turn, you'll be able to make money in that, in that place because you're actually in the authentic path, in your lit path, which is what I call in my book, Disrupt Her. Okay, so we start by asking ourselves, am I doing this because I am feeding some sort of responsibility that I have, what I'm supposed to be doing versus... And like what, what society said is, is, is okay for me to do. Totally. So if we start there, and then what would be the, the next step? How do we start introducing behaviors that are like aligned with how we want to be living our life? What would be the next thing you would tell someone to do after they start questioning? Um, then they just start you know, asking themselves, like, can I make the shift? Uh, you know, what is it going to take for me to make the shift? Is it having conversations with my family and my friends? Is it getting their support? Is it, talk, you know, getting a coach or getting, you know, having someone hold me accountable to really making that shift in my life? Um, you know, let, let's just start with the talk about the conversation on money right? Talking about money is taboo. Talking about money is tacky. People have a very weird relationship with money. Everybody does. You know, a lot of people have been taught about how to save their money. A lot of parents, you know, of children have credit card debt and as a result are very, you know, insecure and ashamed around their own relationship around money. So they don't feel like they have the ability to teach their children about it. And therefore the children don't learn about it. And therefore the children have a weird relationship around money. And it just kind of perpetuates that way. And we've lived in a world where talking about money is really, really, you know, uncool and unacceptable. And only behind closed doors in business worlds is talking about money acceptable. And that only creates more separation between those who have and those who don't, because those who have are the ones who talk about it. And therefore, um, you know, it, it starts with asking yourself, wait, am I not talking about money because I, I wasn't supposed to or someone told me not to or my parents said I, or they never talked about it or my talk or, or, sh or do I actually want to talk about it because a lot of people actually do want to talk about it do want to know questions and have questions about it but they just feel too uncomfortable talking about it 
So then they, and then the first thing you can do is start talking to your close friends about it. Hey, can I ask you a question about money? You know, one of my, two of my girlfriends came over about a year and a half ago to my home and we've been friends for seven or so years and we had never talked about money. And these are like my, some of my best girlfriends. And finally we just start, you know, I just asked the question, like how much money do you guys have saved or do you invest your money? And, and you know, one of them, one of them admitted that they, they hadn't invested a single penny in their entire lives. And that all of it's just collecting dust in their savings account. And I asked her why. And she said, Oh, well, I've just never thought about it. And I never, I never questioned, you know, I, I just was so weird about it that I just put it in my savings account. I didn't understand, you know, investing world. And so I'm just, I just thought keeping it in my savings account was the best thing to do. And the minute we started talking about it, it just unlocked so much in all of us that, you know, she start she invest she then invested her money. She then started putting it to work, and now she's you know really setting herself up properly for retirement because she's actually talking about it. You know, historically, men have been much more given. Businessmen have been the ones who are allowed to talk about money in a way that's powerful. But everyone else, when you talk about money, it's tacky. It's been just very strange. And so we broke that. We broke that taboo. And when we did we collectively saw each other gain power and gain strength in that conversation, which then gave us a space to create wealth in a whole new way and talk about it in a whole new way. I think one thing you're bringing up here that's really important to call out is the idea of being like a conversation catalyst with your community of, am I having the types of conversations that I want to have with the people in my lives? And oftentimes we get into routines of what we talk about for guys, whether that's going to the bar on weekends and watching the game, whether that's for women of whatever those conversations happen that we fall into just kind of routinely. And there can be some anxiety around bringing up new subjects, like talking about money for guys, maybe talking about our emotions, our challenges with any of our friends. And so having the courage to, just like you talked about, applying that to our lives, but opening up your relationships, and this comes, I'm leading into another question that I want to ask you because I feel it's really important, but how to have the conversations that we want to have because that's how we start to evolve our relationships into the ones that will support us living the life that we want. And so what would you say about the importance of building a community of people who are living life the way that you want to live it to be able to live on your own terms? Because if you're the only person who's talking about service and social entrepreneurship, if you're the only person who's talking about personal growth, uh, it can be challenging to then be on an island kind of modeling those behaviors. So what is what is the role of community and relationships in disrupting your life and introducing new behaviors? I mean, I think that's the first, first step by far is creating that group of people who are interested in the same kind of disruption that you are, the same, just like you, you said, the same personal growth, the, the same path to wealth in a different way. Just having those conversations that aren't just, who are you dating? Talking shit about others. Like who are, what sports you're playing? Like who you're having sex with? Just all the, those things, which are just, like you said, are socially acceptable things to talk about, but everything else feels just like, Oh, you like, you're so deep. Huh? Ha, ha, ha. And it's just weird to a lot of people. But so I think that 
for me and for us, I mean, we've built an incredible community of people who are just all about self-work. I mean, we all, so many of us share the same life coach, you know, our same leadership coach, because we all want to speak the same language. And we, but we all, you know, really want to dive deep and deeper and deeper within ourselves so we can have our best selves come through. Um, And I think that the further we go down this specific path around personal growth and around um, just, you know, living to our, you know, our lit or living on our lit path. Anyone who feels out of alignment just feels it's a little jarring, I think. Um, so the, the, you end up attracting people who are on the similar path. And I think those are the people that will be your accountability buddies and hold and hold you accountable as you're on this path. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you build that community? Because for so many people, that I connect with and I know that you have the same issue when you're speaking is people who don't have this community, who don't feel like they have uh, a group of people or close friends that are meeting them where they're currently at. They're yeah. meeting them where they were when they were in high school or where they were in college. So what steps can someone take to start to build that tribe that supports them being the person they want to be in the world? Yeah. I mean, I think about Max Stossel all the time or one of our best friends whose birthday it is today. Um, and, um, I think a lot about him and how we met him when, you know, we were on the, sitting on the, you know, beaches of Panama and, you know, we were, I was 32, he was 22 and, um, he came and, and just, you know, he, we, we, we happened to be in the same trip and we, you and I were sitting on the beach and then we, we, we just saw him and we we're like, you sit. And we, and we sat him down and he was, he had kind of like, you know, meh friends from, from college who kind of, you, you know, just wanted to fantasy football and yeah, sports on weekends. That's it. Just really wanted to talk surface level stuff. And he was so interested to learning more and deepening. And so when he sat down and, and we, we had a conversation, he was like, oh, I really want to spend like more time with you guys. And what was so interesting about Max was that he didn't just kind of show up. He, he contributed. And so you know, the reason why I'm bringing him up is that when we came back from Panama and we would invite him to things, we would throw events, we'd throw dinner parties, we would throw different things. He would be showing up every time. He would be one of the first people there. He'd be, you know, he would be helping set up, clean up, whatever at the end. And he just participated. He took the initiative and just participated over and over again and well, he showed contrib- he contributed uh, which and is he even, contributed which was a better word than participation i think yeah contributed so his participation is showing up and then and then actually contributing as in with discourse giving his ideas not just being a wallflower in the corner totally. just showing up actually contributing thinking about things giving us different perspective and he he challenged us and he he was you know argued and it was just like he he really created discourse for us and and a different angle of the way to, of thinking about things, and you know, cut to seven years later, eight years later, he's, you know, he he's no eight, eight years later, he was the you know one of the groomsmen in, in in your wedding, and one of my you know one of our best friends, and I think that's how you build community. That's how you you form pe- form a group of people that support you is is by showing up and by contributing and by. By, by by being consistent about it, not just once in a while, oh, here and there, but really really deciding that like these are the people I want to spend my, my time with. I'm going to keep showing up until they, and contributing until they're like, they can't help but fall in love with me. And 
I think that's how we formed our community. We've sh- we've shown up. We show up for our friends over and over again. We're always shouting them out. We're always supporting them. We're always throwing events. We're always creating opportunity for, for, for our friends to gather. And I think these are all important ways to build a thriving community of like-minded people who support you and challenge you. It's. I want to tie a bow on that because I feel like it's so important and tactile in terms of for people who are out there who don't have the relationships, the community that are supporting this current expression of themselves. You think about the people, the groups that you want to belong to, and you just ask ask yourself, how can I contribute? How can I support these people? A great example would just be something like, say, you want to hang out with really happy, positive people focused on personal growth. So then you find Daybreaker, morning dance raves in New York City. You could go to Daybreaker and hang out and have a great time. Or if you volunteer, now you have a community of 30 people who get breakfast before and after the events, who hang out on weekends. You have a built-in community. I mean, Rada... Because you went and supported these people. Exactly. And our twin sister, just... Um, our twin sister, my twin sister, Rada, met her now fiance because he volunteered to be a, to date a daybreaker totally and he was a volunteer and then and then he showed up for her constantly supported added value added value added value bought her cute little gifts over and over again and she and they fell in love and now they're they have a baby and they're getting married and it's you know it starts with just showing up hard totally and 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 contributing and and other practical things like if you have a friend that you like that you want to spend more time with if they're throwing a party be the one that shows up early just say can i help you set up can yeah. i help you clean up those simple types of acts make you stand out in people's minds it makes people want to have you around i'm i think of like right now a new friend in our lives named chris who wherever we go he's just always helping to yeah. curate the Chris vibe, Clement. to yeah. set up, to clean up. And he's so much fun to have around. And he's he he's quiet and just a kind guy, but he's so easy to have him around because he's always contributing. And then we've, and then exactly. So at first he was kind of like the quiet guy who would just kind of be around helping. But then we got to really take a walk together and got to know each other and got to really spend some time, learn about his family, learn about his father, learn about his, his life and what he did before, you know, he, what he's doing now with Ben. It's just like, I, I really got to know him now. He, you know, I, I'm really excited for ha- to have him as a, a, as a friend. And I think it's just that it starts with showing up, participating, making delicious food, <laughs> yeah. cleaning up, just doing it effortlessly without any kind of look at me, just like just doing it. And, and, and then, and then you eventually spend time with them and, and those people and they, they end up, they end up being amazing people, of course, because they, they actually show up and participate. Totally. So show curiosity, learn about people, contribute, help people. And if you do those two things, you will connect and build this community. Lots of C's in that last one, but Mm -hmm. okay, cool. So there's some practical advice about how we can start to disrupt our own lives, build community that help us do that. Uh, We'd be remiss not to bridge to the world of business and to talk about, uh, you know, not only the opportunity of disrupting the status quo in business, but also uh, from a practical sense of how do we actually do that? How do we help people that are looking to build business in taboo space, who are looking to create products that disrupt the status quo, how we currently think about doing business? So tell me a little more about how you have really turned this approach into kind of your your ethos in business of what you really focus on. So tell us a little more about how you have turned uh, disrupting the status quo into massive business success. 
Um, yes. I was just looking at your really beautiful face and just thinking about how handsome you are. So I missed what you just asked me. (laughs) (laughs) The best reason anyone will ever give me that they didn't hear my question. So I approve. Uh, so the question would be, how do you think about how is, how is disrupting the status quo informed how you approach business? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just questioning, like, why, why am I doing this? Like, for what's, no, what's the opportunity of it in terms of like, in terms of for people that want to become social entrepreneurs? And entrepreneurs yeah, I mean, of, like, I, what is the opportunity of disrupting the status the, quo? The opportunity is that nobody is talking about these categories. It, it means that they're white spaces or blue oceans. When these are when you're when you're entering spaces that are taboo to talk about. That, that means that there's very little innovation in those categories. I mean, there's very little innovation. There's a huge opportunity to disrupt those, those old, tired categories. And so when you think about, for me, in the space of periods, pee, poop, you know, and these categories have just had no innovation. I mean, toilet paper was brought to America in the late 1800s. The fact that we're still doing that today in 2019, what we've done in 1890 is insane. And the the only reason why is because society and culture has agreed that this is the way to do it, forgetting that it's destroying our planet, just hurting our health and hygiene to the tune of 30 million combined cases of chronic urinary tract infections, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, anal itching. All these issues can be avoided by just using fresh water to properly clean you. Um, and so it's just that when you when you think about these categories, you're just like, I don't, I mean... It's just such a massive opportunity to to shift consciousness around it. How many environmentalists are there? How many people have these ailments? How many people are interested in you know new gadgets and gizmos? That that creates a market right off the bat, and then you take you corner you take a small piece of that cat of, of of the huge open market that exists. Billion dollar idea, you know. Um, and so that's actually what's really really interesting when you're disrupting the status quo thinking when you're disrupting that through the lens of innovation and using through the lens of business, I think, you know, there's just a huge opportunity to, 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 to build a lot of wealth while you actually shift consciousness for the better. It's both. It's a win-win. You know, all of my businesses also are social enterprises. And so, you know, for every tushy sold, we are currently helping build clean sanitation facilities all over India. In the global sanitation crisis affects over 3 billion people, of which a billion, almost a billion people don't have access at all to you know are practicing open defecation and um and and i think this you know by by disrupting these categories you're also able to shed light on really really big important topics too and so i think it's it's really truly a win-win-win you know opportunity you make a lot of money you shift consciousness for the better you improve the lives of people who need just basic human you know human needs met i mean like it, it actually feels like the best business idea ever. Totally. I mean, and on top of that, there was a, a an HBR study that just came out recently. They talked about the characteristic that can most uh, consistently predict the success of entrepreneurs. And they said that it was grit more so than anything else of perseverance. It's what types of obstacles and challenges will this person endure mm. to make their vision a reality? And the idea that if you are connected to a problem, that is impacting people negatively and you want to solve that you're connected to purpose practically. And that, that in my opinion is the essence of grit of finding the will to persevere and succeed. And so it just, it comes automatically when you're solving these types of problems, when you're addressing these issues that deserve to be addressed. And so 
One thing I want you to touch on before I get into the practical application of building a business in these spaces is the question that has influenced all of the creation of your businesses, which is what sucks in my world? So how can people leverage that question, what sucks in my world, to find their next business idea? I think it's, it's again, waking up and, and walk, going about your entire day and, and just being like, oh, that sucked. Oh, that was such a pain in the butt. Oh, like, you know, carrying that thing sucked in my world. Or tying my shoelace and tripping over my shoelace sucked in my world. You know, my friend started a company called Hickey's to, comp- to, to fight that, you know, to fix that problem. You know, like um, all the cleaning products and all the supplies and all, there's just, there's so many things so many things that you're using on a day-to-day basis that feel so wasteful, that feel so toxic, that feel like there's a better way to do it, that feels like you're wasting time, energy, money to do these things that you do every single day. And could there be a better way to do it? Composting is an example. Composting is the biggest pain in the butt ever. And it's like, if someone can solve that and make that really painless, wow, billion dollar idea and saving the planet in a, in a, you know, in, in a really serious way, you know, improving the planet in a, in a really important way. You know, the air we breathe, you know, like when you're living in dense cities, like could there be some kind of a vacuum cleaner concept that can suck in the air and turn into like fresher oxygen? That would be amazing, you know? And maybe when people are constantly in like coughing because like like the Asian people who have to wear those things over their faces everywhere they go because of the smog, maybe there's that, that's a big problem that people need to, you know, like in in Asia now, you know how people were like, back in the day, people were like, No one's ever going to buy water. Water's free. What do you mean? You know, multi-billion dollar industry later, people are saying that about air now. And in China, people are buying cans of oxygen that they can breathe into. Everyone's going to be like, no one's ever going to buy air. What are you talking about? Yes, they are. They're already buying fresh air to breathe into. And that's, that's for real. And so... They're just massive problems. I mean, just the poverty, the malaria, the, you know, there's just so many things on the planet that need to be solved that, you know, someone can wake up and say, wait, I'm somebody, I can figure that out. You know, today, as an example, I went and met with a scientist. I'm working on a new thing that I think, you know, can really, can really help make people feel safer with all of these crazy technological advances that are happening in the world and how, you know, there's a lot of, um, types of you know secondary radiation that affects that we're still very very unclear about what what they are and you know if there can be some kind of a property that can help protect us then then let's explore that and it was really really fun learning about that i've you know one thing i know in my experience of being an entrepreneur that has built companies that are all you know that, that have been pretty successful is that um uh, is that I have no experience in any of them. I didn't do nothing in any one of them. And you start by just having a ton of curiosity and actually going and doing the work and actually going and talking to all the people you need to talk to and actually reading all the articles you need to be read and actually like asking the questions to all the, you know, to, that, that you need, that need to be asked and, and doing whatever it takes to have them answered. And most people just don't have the patience or the interest to actually do that work. You know, and some people are actually really interested in doing that work. I'm really excited about learning. I'm excited. Like today I learned about, I relearned about photons and neutrons and, you know, and, and, and protons, little, neutrons, me, electrons. She drew me a little diagram over breakfast. And, and how, you know, <laughs> and, and like, you know, just like the Faraday's cage, like all these things are just so fascinating to me. And I, I feel like, wow, I just, I just, I just, my brain, you know, flexed its muscles today. And I really, really loved that. 
And um, I think if, if people just stop talking about the same old, same old, which is what's acceptable but in status quo and start thinking about things that really matter in the world, then I think the world can shift for the better if every human being actually put their mental space to use in a good, productive way. Wow, could this world be just humming in an incredible way? Well, I think, you know, when we talked about connecting to what sucks in your world, connecting to an idea, and then you talked about what I love that you mentioned is that you didn't know anything about any of these industries when you started out. You just figured it out because you were curious about it. And so I think that if grit is the the most consistent predictor of success, then a close second would be resourcefulness, which is just the ability to figure stuff out along the way. And you talked again about just not being resigned to I don't know, of always adopting that mindset of I'm figuring it out. And I'll, I'll throw one one thing in the ring here, and it's the idea of GTS, which is that anytime you have a question, like if you have an idea or something in your world that sucks, simply entering that into Google and Googling that shit will give you a path to learn more, right? <laughs> to take the next step in this. So if you're curious about air breathability in New York, what are the filtration options that are available? You Google, what are the best air filtration options on the market? And then you learn about what's actually out there. Are there personal air filtration devices that are available? How are people selling air in China? So, and as you start to learn more, the next step will just appear. It's like, we don't need to figure it all out at once. We just need to be learning a little more step by step. Mm. And so I love that you talked about not knowing and, and the willingness to figure it out. And I think that that's so important. So, so brilliant. So I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned that. And then, so let's say that someone has an idea, someone's ready to start figuring this out, ready to start uh, turning an idea into an actual business. What would be some of the first steps that you would want entrepreneurs to think about to build business in these, you know, disruptive categories in these taboo breaking uh, markets? What would you want them to know? Um, so, so while building all my businesses, um, I, I, kind of formulated a thesis that I think works across all the brands, all the different categories um, to really help shift culture and shift consciousness and, and launch the product. And, you know, you have to, you have to understand the basics of business initially. You know, you have to have, if you, if you, if it's a physical product or a digital product, if it's a physical, I'm a physical product person now. And I, I know a lot more about physical products the digital products and I know that you need a warehouse and you need, you know, you need to have a website that speaks to the warehouse. You need to have, you know, the right platform to accept money and the right platform to, you know, um, to, to ship it in a way that's that, that costs as little as possible. And you need to have the right manufacturer, you know, that supplies you the product with as, you know, for as little as possible, but with the best quality possible. You, you, I know you need a customer service team to answer any questions you need social media you know these are all like the basics right but i think when it comes to actually shifting culture and actually breaking taboos the thesis is a three-prong thesis the first prong is you have to have a best-in-class product like absolute one of one best-in-class product that that's that 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 a product that you want that you would want to use that you, you feel really proud of um and, and it can't just be like, eh, it's good enough. It has to really be something that you're truly proud of and that feels like, yeah, this is a one-of-one one innovation um, that can stand on its own, like, hugely, potentially even being a, a market creator, you know, category creator. Um, can I say one thing on that? Is I think one of the beautiful things about how you approach that is that if you love what you have created, 
you will talk to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. There's no bashfulness. Yeah. Whether that's a friend, whether that's press. Yeah. If you create something and you say, I love using this thing, then you'll talk to anybody about it. Yeah. You will become your own evangelist without trying. It'll just be natural. So it's such that's, a powerful thing. That's yeah. exactly it. And I just feel like, you know, I, I'm talking about Tushy. I'm talking about my products constantly. And it's not, I think because it's so authentic, people aren't like, ugh. You know, they're just trying to sell her thing again. It's more like, oh my God, she just loves her freaking product. She just loves sitting <laughs> on the toilet. Damn, you know, wow, okay. And so it's it's almost endearing because it's so it comes from a, such an authentic place. So I'm I'm glad you said that. Um, but yeah, so the first thing is really having a one of one best in class product that you are proud of and that you love and that you would use. Um, the second prong is um, artful access, uh, artful considered design across every touch point of your brand. And I think about when people are like, eh, design's not that important. Art's not that important. You and I have argued about that. You're like, yeah, that's that's just a thing. That doesn't, that doesn't actually matter. For me, I'm like, oh my God, that is blaspheme. I think every single piece of the aesthetic matters. And I think that everything that people see is is your brand. And it's like, it's your it's your storefront. It's, it's, it's your only, if you had a storefront, and it was your someone's walking into your store and they see all these beautiful things and there's like this one or two ugly things in there. It'd be kind of like, what's that? It doesn't match the store. And so like now for e-commerce businesses especially, it's like your storefront is your website. Your storefront is ev- your brand touch points. Every single thing that your brand does, your Facebook ads, your campaigns, your, you know, the images that you put out, like all of those things um, matter. And I, I'm, I, I care so much about that because I know how people respond to it. When people are responding to art, when people are responding to something that's so considered and thoughtful from an aesthetic perspective, people will look at it with more reverence. People will look at it and think about it with a little bit more of an open mind. Wow, that, those people did a really good job with that creative. What, what, are, they, what are they? Who are they? What are they doing? Um, I think people are, will open up their hearts and their minds more when they receive something beautiful and, and, and decide if they want to use it and, and share it. If it's beautiful, they'll, they'll more likely to share it. So I think considered artful design is really, really important. So one thing that I'll say there is because you are maniacal in the best way. Like when I see your commitment to this principle, it, it's such a part of what you do. You do it so naturally. And so for someone like myself, who certainly cares about it, but doesn't have that attention to detail for another founder who might care about design, but just doesn't have that sort of attention to detail, that commitment that you do, what would you say is one of the the best things to keep in mind for finding creative talent, for actually finding that person who can be that voice within the company? Yeah, I mean, I find them from pretty unorthodox places. I mean, I'm also a little bit different because I... I, I creative direct as well. And so I can find really young creatives and, and help mold them. Mm. Um, I think if you're a founder that doesn't care so much about the details to find someone who does care about the details because the details matter. Everyone notices everything. And as much as you think it doesn't matter, it does. And when you think about all the companies that do care about design, they're the ones that succeed more, you know, Apple versus PC, Google versus Yahoo. I mean, like, you just think about like the noisy, the busy, the no space, no breathing room. There's just, there's no space to think, you know, like, like, like Yahoo. It's like, oh my God, it's just overload, you know? 
Um, and and whereas Google is just like one bar, you ask one question or you write one thing, and it's just oh, I could breathe. I have space. You know, I, I my team laughs because I my 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 favorite two words are breathing room. I need to see breathing room. If I can't breathe, then I can't think. And if I can't think, I can't make a decision. If I can't make a decision, I'm out of there. Mm. And so, um, and so I think I think design and artfulness and um, and and creativity is so so important. And I think to really find that right talent, you can you can go to like really cool art school websites. They all the web art school websites have portfolios that you can just go and log into and and find. And you have to like reach out to them individually. A lot of people don't have that patience to do it. I literally have reached out to hundreds of people thousands myself. Of maybe th- I mean over my years, thousands, um, thousands. I mean hundreds per year. You know, yeah, thousands um, over think, the course and, of. And of so my, what she's saying is again is going to design schools and actually looking at the portfolios of students, which many of them make available, going to places like Behance, like Cargo Collective, and just looking at designers. And it will lead you down a path, almost like recommendations on LinkedIn, where you can just look at people's portfolio. And when you look at what people have created, they develop an aesthetic. And so you can get a feel for who's doing stuff in the world that you like. And I'll just say it again. I think that one of the benefits of what you do is that you reach out to designers with a clear purpose of what they're doing. And designers want their work to be seen by a lot of people. They, they want it to have an impact. You know, that's, that's what they do. They don't just want to create beautiful things. They want to create beautiful things that matter. And mm-hmm. so it's another benefit of doing what Mickey talks about here, of, of solving real problems, disrupting taboos, is that talented people will want to work with you versus designing sugar water or fast fashion bullshit products. Exactly. Exactly. I think if there's a purpose behind your brand, if there's a social mission attached to it, if there's, you know, if, if it's revolutionary, if it's different, you can attract amazing talent. I mean, I found, you know, some of the best talent for my, my, for Toshi team, um, because we're a unique product and it's, it's a disruptive product for this country. And, um, and my, and my team is really, really excited, especially my leadership team. Um, you know, come from places like Amazon and, you know, Columbia Business School and, you know, UPenn Law School, like really, really great institutions and really good backgrounds. And they all believe in it because they see this a blue ocean this is a, or a white space. This is a real huge opportunity if we get to do it right. And guess what? This is a brand that has spent a lot of time considering its brand and its aesthetic. And therefore, I'm going to I'm going to take a chance on this brand. And you think about like we're, we're getting approached by Target and by, you know, CVS and by all these big brands now because everyone's like, you have the best brand. You have the, you, you match the Target aesthetic. Like you are aspirational. And I think that's a word I use over and over and over again with my team. Not aspirational enough, not aspirational enough. It has to be aspirational. It has to mm. be something that people feel like, wow, they're getting this beautiful designer thing for only $69. Our Tushy product is only $69. You know, only $69 and it looks like that beautiful. It makes my bathroom look so much more, you know, avant-garde and modern. Like, wow, okay. So that shit matters. And so that's the second prong. And the third prong is accessible, relatable language across every touch point of your brand. When you're introducing something really revolutionary or really innovative, oftentimes people get too heady about it. Mm. They get too like academic or clinical or medical or technical about it. And we've, we've certainly done that before, you know, with my companies, I've, I've tried to get too technical about it. People are like, it just went over people's heads. It's already a confusing product. 
that people never saw before. So like, why get so technical? They want to know, does it work? Will it clean me? Will it make me feel good? Will, will it upgrade my life in any way? Will I save money? Like what, what will it do for me? And I think if you just present the right value propositions in a really beautiful, accessible way, that's, that works way more. And, and what we've learned is the more we sound like we're texting our best friend, the more likely people will feel like, oh, you're talking to me. Because it's not like thinking about what the person wants to hear. It's actually feeling what you really deeply want to say deep within you. And I think so often we're so conscious about what other people think and what people want to hear what the, that we just lose our completely authentic voice. And I think for us, like it's really about um, the accessible, the accessibility and like, oh, it's so funny and you're so silly and running totally. yourself so seriously and you're just like being goofy. And like if you look at, go through the entire tushy website right now it's just hilarious you know we just put up benefits of a bidet page and i just read it and i'm just like chuckling out loud because it's just so like it's just so like you would text your best friend irreverent. silly irreverent yeah, funny amazing. i read i read something this morning about that about how we care so much about what other people think that we inhibit ourselves and we conform our language to fit what we think other people need and it's really fascinating if you think about this of so the that process uh is is a survival mechanism is that from an evolutionary standpoint we have evolved to be able to intuit interpret what other people are feeling and thinking because basically our survival our connection to our tribes for most of history you know even a lot of that that existed without language was basically our ability to just feel emotion from people to interpret what it is that they're thinking, what it is that they want us to know. And so we would constantly try and interpret those signals that are coming to us. But then our mind goes in overtime and then it makes up stories about what we're interpreting. And it's all based on assumption. And so from an evolutionary standpoint, we've been conditioned to think about what other people are thinking and feeling. Right. But what oftentimes happens is that we are overly concerned with what other people are thinking and we don't care enough about what we're thinking right. and feeling that we don't give that enough credit. We, we disregard our own mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings. And when we do that, when we're just speaking or communicating from a place to appease somebody else or some audience, we lose the, the essence of what makes us really special. And I think that's what's so powerful about what you guys do is that you're, you're never afraid to lose people you want to speak to a specific group how you speak mm -hmm. and it does create detractors you know and you always talk about like you know the the ability to be disliked i think is such a yeah. powerful thing it's like the the fearlessness to be disliked is such a powerful tool in business about yeah. saying it's like here's who we are and how we communicate and the people who like it will love us yeah and then the people who don't get it they fucking hate us yeah you have to create you have to create polarity. And I think polarity in every part of our lives is creates attraction, right? It's either you're attracted to them or you're not. And I think it's kind of like someone's, like I think about like, when I think about you and I think about why I'm attracted to you, one of the things is like the inherent smell. You know, I like the way your, your musk smells, right? Some people won't like it. You know, some people might not like your musk and either they'll like it or they <laughs> won't. Like, I love it. You know what I mean? And so as a result, like I you know, I, I'm attracted to that. And I think like people will be attracted to, you know, like Tushy's Musk, which sounds a little weird because it's a cleaning product, but cleaning product or not, um, or lack thereof. And, you know, so, um, I, yeah, it's just, that's the point. It's like you, you're, it's either you're attracted to or not. Neutral is the worst. 
you know, being neutral, it's like, eh. it's like, ugh. it's kind of like being like the concept of being indifferent versus hating. Yeah. Like I would rather you hate me than be indifferent to me, you know, just because it's like, totally, you know, so, yeah, um, if you're speaking to everybody. You're speaking to nobody. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, all right. So we're, we're nearing an hour here. So I want to kind of tie a bow on this. And so, we've gone through these really powerful tangible actions as we've kind of separated disrupting your life of creating the context for you to really be yourself and how that really supports your ability to then look at bigger issues of what sucks in our life. How do I identify real businesses solving real problems in innovative way? Um, to create community, we talked about contribution. We talked about being curious in others um, as a real pathway to building community. And then when it comes to actually building these taboo-breaking businesses, we talked about a number one best-in-class product. You have to love what you're creating is the benchmark. The second is that you have to have um, clear, expressive language. And then the third one is... Is the considered artful Considered design. artful design. And we talked about some of the ways that you can go and find those people who have that vision, that attention to detail. And so as we move towards a close here, um, what, what is the thing that you would want people to leave this conversation with? Of, because we've talked about a lot of ideas, but in terms of people embracing this idea, what's, what's the thing that you want them to remember that you think will make it easy for them to start living their life this way, to start taking action, to being bold, to reframing how they think about creating business and, and everything else? What do you want those people to embrace? What do you want them to know is true? I think it's um, pretty much that you can wake up and have full, full, full agency over your life and that if you just woke up to your actions a little more and, and just really... Um, really brought awareness to every single thing that you do and think about, you will realize that there's a lot that are, that are not in alignment and that you will actually have the ability and the agency to change them for yourself. It's not like this, just the way it is. It's like, Oh, this, this way that's been done. Not interested in doing that anymore. I'm going to go do a better, do it, find a better way. If I can't find one, I'm going to go make one and that you can disrupt your life and that you can, disrupt the status quo powerfully on your own terms at any point in your life. Totally. What's the Steve Jobs quote that you always say? The Steve Jobs quote is that you can always connect the dots. You can't connect the dots looking forward, but you no, can it's connect the, the dots. What's the other one about? Like everything was created. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Steve Jobs said that um, uh, that um, society was created by people who are no different than you or me. So, you know, if we realize, once we realize that, then everything can change. Everything can change. Totally. I read one. It's, it's funny that we're doing this today. I read a, a Buckminster Fuller quote today that also talks about how the way to disrupt a system is not to fight the system. It is to create a new system that makes the old system obsolete. Right. And that's what disruptive innovation is. I think innovation that creates a new market, which eventually overtakes an existing market. Totally. And I think in your in your life with business, I think that you've empowered millions of people to rethink their life, rethink their approach to business by showing them the possibility of first generation immigrant kid to 
go from banking into the restaurant industry, into fashion, into technology, to become an author of just seeing what sucked in your life and saying, I'm going to create. And I think more so than anyone else, you give people that impetus to believing that they can create a better life for themselves. They can create something that helps people of stepping out of that victim existence of thinking that this is the way that it is and I just have to accept it. And so it's an honor to know you, Mm -hmm. to raise a a wonderful little baby boy with you. Speaking of, I'm ovulating. Can we go make a baby? We can make a second baby. Right now? We can indeed. Yes. So Mickey, with that, uh, we need to get out of here. <laughs> we have a, Real we have ovulated, literally today's my ovulation day. It's, it's go time. So where where can people find you? What's most important that they should know about with you right now? So Disruptor go to just disrupt, came out. Yeah, disrupther.co if you want to check out. I made a video where I'm being birthed out of a vagina first. And so you can watch that video, get excited to buy the book. Um, so check out disrupther.co. And then you can go to hellotushy.com if you really want to properly clean yourself and not use disgusting dry toilet paper and kill all these beautiful magical trees um, and also save your pocketbook at the My, same time. I have to say this analogy because it's the best one and it makes so much sense. Is that So just think for a second. You're walking down the street and a bird poops on your shoulder. Okay? So a bird poops on your shoulder. Are you just going to go to the bathroom and grab a paper towel and then just wipe off the poop? Or... Are you going to put water on it and actually wash it off with water? Like if you have poop on your skin, you're not just going to wipe it with a paper towel. You're going to wash it off with water. And yet all of us in arguably the grossest part of our bodies are just smearing poo around with paper. So Tushy is quite essential. My friend who's a masseuse, his last thing I'm going to say is my friend, my, my friend who comes over once a week to, to massage my body, I get a 90-minute massage every single week uh, by an amazing healer. And he told me how he, you know, a f- couple of times massaged some different men. And he'd have to, like, they'd, they'd be on their, sometimes no. they'd be naked. And there would be, like, poop stuck to the hair on their butts. No. And he was so grossed out by it. Oh, and he no. said it was so disgusting. And I'm just like, oh. the older, oftentimes the older you get, you don't properly clean you. And he had to like massage. Gross. It was just so, I felt, it was just like, ugh. And I'm like, that. those people need tushies badly. So check out hellotushy.com. And then also, if you want to see all my other projects, go to mickeyagrawal.com. She's an epic speaker, epic entrepreneur, great wife, great mom. Mickey, thank you for being on What's the Big Idea. I think you're really hot. I love you. I love you. Bye.